Welcome to the Studying the Bible podcast, where every Thursday, pastors Dylan Dodson and Brian Androsian study a book of the Bible verse by verse to see what is being communicated and how we can use it to grow in our relationship with Jesus. We pray that today's podcast can help you grow just a little bit closer to Christ. Welcome back to our online Bible study through the book of James. Uh, This section, we are starting in chapter 1, verse 19, and going through verse 27. Now, we have seen so far, up until this point, that James, who is the half-brother of Jesus, has been talking about things like endurance in the faith, um, having faith, and boasting in Christ. So not in our economic status or power or privileges, but in what Christ has done for us. There's equal footing before the cross. And so now, he's going to continue to give more examples of what following Christ looks like. He's talked about enduring in the faith, trusting, experiencing joy, even in trials, and following Jesus. And now he's going to give us even more practical examples of what does it look like to trust and follow Jesus in your everyday life. And so in verse 19, he says this, he says, my dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Now remember, He is speaking, he is addressing believers here, in particular Jewish believers, but believers nonetheless. And so when he says, my dear brothers and sisters, and again, some translations just have that brothers, he's talking to all of those who are followers of Jesus. It was a common turn of phrase in the ancient world to to describe people as brothers who are of a a similar religious belief system as you. And so he's talking to believers here, not unbelievers, which is important, again, as we've seen in previous sessions, and we'll see here. He's talking to believers, and he says, under Understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Now, this sounds really nice, right? Be quick to listen. That's good. Uh, Be slow to speak so you don't say things you might regret. Be slow to anger because we make a lot of poor decisions when we are angry. So the question then becomes, why, however? Why is it important to do these things? Is he just saying it for us to be virtuous in and of itself? Or is there other reasonings here? And of course, there are. He's not saying be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger just for the, just for the, for the reasons, just, just for the character development, if you will, of doing those things. There is a particular reason why followers of Christ ought to pursue these things. And here's what he says in verse 20. Here's why. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Here's what we know, that our anger, our frustrations, um, our, our times where we are mad and angry and not happy, they often produce sinful or dishonoring practices both to God and to other people. Meaning what James is saying here is that our anger does not produce righteousness within us, right? It often produces us saying hurtful things we might uh, regret later. It might, uh, anger often produces selfishness or pride, right? And so we want to be slow to anger so that we do not fall prey to some of these things. Now, J- James here is likely talking of sinful acts like violence and murder, because we're going to see that in James chapter four, or uh, talk about uh, uh, maybe in rich or being rich or, or being poor, not have enough money. And so being, maybe, maybe being jealous of your financial situation. Uh, but in the immediate context as well, he's also talking about unwise speech. So we can be judgmental. We can be even violent. But even as we'll see here, we can even say things that are not good and are not caring and loving and honoring to God. These all things can come when we are angry. And so we want to pursue being slow to anger. 
Now, remember here that James, the book of James, is, is talking about wisdom. And in fact, earlier in James chapter 1, he talks about wisdom and spiritual maturity and pursuing Jesus so that we may be, grow in our wisdom. And so when he says, be slow to anger, he's not saying necessarily that all anger is bad, right? Because there can be righteous anger, right? We can be angry over things such as injustices or racial inequality or poor people being mistreated, right? There, there can be times where our anger is good and righteous and holy, but many times it isn't, right? Many times, in fact, probably most of the time that you and I get angry, it does lead us to unrighteous behavior, un, uh, unloving, uncaring, un-God-honoring behavior. And so we want to be slow to do these things because as it says, it does not accomplish God's righteousness in us. And so here's what we should do. Verse 21, he says, Therefore, ridding yourself of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word, which is able to save your souls, right? We are to rid or more literally take off, if you will, take off our moral filth, um, our evil desires, our tendencies that are not honoring to God and do not love other people. And instead of focusing on our good works based on effort here, what he is telling us to do is to receive the word or to receive Christ, which was implanted or given to us, which changes our desires and grants salvation. So again, he's not saying uh, do these things out of your self-determination. He said, in order to do these things, you ought to receive humbly the word that was implanted or the word that was given to you. That's what we are ought to do. And so James here, he's not, to be clear, again, remembering our context, that he's not giving this command to unbelievers. So he's not telling unbelievers to do this. He's telling believers to do this. And he's not telling unbelievers to do this in order to be converted. So he's not saying be slow to anger so that you may be saved, right? He's talking to an audience here that is already following Jesus. They already are believers. And so what he's saying here is he's saying to believers to allow the word, to allow Christ to influence all parts of our thinking and our acting and our being. So don't be slow to anger and be a good person for your sake or focus on your effort in order to do these things. But instead, remember the gospel that was given to you. Remember Christ who gave his life for you. Remember him, reflect on his goodness and grace in your life. And then when you do that, it gives you the ability to be slow to anger, right? When you know that God has given you grace and forgiveness and mercy, it makes us more likely give, to give grace and forgiveness and mercy to other people. So allow this word, this Christ, this Messiah, his grace that was implanted or given to you, affect how you live. It's not about self-effort, but, but, but by looking at Jesus and what he has done for us. And so he says in verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. In other words, when you hear the gospel, when you hear Christ and the wisdom and the spiritual maturity that he offers, if you're actually going to be a, a, an actual listener, a, a hearer of the word in James' case, is not someone who simply hears things, but, but someone who acts on what they do, because that demonstrates that they have actually or legitimately heard the word that was given to them, that God loves us and has given us grace. And so again, accepting the word here means doing the word. Hearing the word, actually hearing the word is not just listening, it's doing what you have heard. And so what he's saying is that if we do nothing with it, if we do nothing with the gospel and the word of Christ and what he has done for us, then we really actually haven't accepted it, right? If we don't do anything with it, then it shows that we haven't actually heard it 
and we haven't actually accepted, accepted, it, accepted it. Otherwise, right, he says, otherwise we deceive ourselves, right? We deceive ourselves if we think we have heard, the G, heard about Jesus and the gospel, but our life does not reflect that in any way. We deceive ourselves into thinking that we actually have been saved and, and actually are in a relationship with Christ himself. What, basically what is saying here is that following Jesus, particularly in our modern context, is not an intellectual exercise. So often we can reduce being a follower of Jesus to how, much, how, many, how often you go to church and how often you read the Bible and how many verses you have memorized and how many answers do you have for theological questions that, that people might present to you. We, we so often reduce following Jesus to just knowledge. And what James is saying is it's not about knowledge. Right? It's about moving and doing what you know to be true. And so if you've been impacted by God, if you know, as we see throughout scriptures, that the greatest commandment for us is to love God and love others, if we are not doing that, then we might not actually know God in the way that we think that we do. It's not just an intellectual exercise. It impacts how we live. And so verse 23 says, because, gives an example, because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forget what kind of person he was. Right? So James is giving us an analogy of someone who has heard the word, but doesn't do anything with it. He says a hearer is someone who forgets. Right? And so to remember, uh, to remember God and his word is to contemplate them in such a way that makes a lasting impression. Right? If you go and look in the mirror and you can immediately forget what you look like, you haven't spent enough time kind of seeing and looking at the, at the reflection in the mirror. His, his, the connotation here is that if you want to grow in your spiritual wisdom and maturity, then there ought to be intentional practices in your life that help you do that sort of thing. Otherwise, you'll simply forget about it, which is the problem that James is addressing here. Right? You want the gospel to make a lasting impression in your life. And so to forget, as James is saying, to forget the word of truth is to listen superficially. It's to listen, but to not really listen at all. He says our actions, in other words, reveal how much we know. So you don't have to have an advanced seminary degree. You don't have to have gone to college. And the more you know about God, and the more educated you are, the more you love God, the more God loves you. None of that is important. What's important is are you living out what you know to be true, that God loves you, that he's given you grace and forgiveness through his son, Jesus. And in response to that, are we honoring God and loving people so that other people can also experience the grace and mercy of God that we have experienced? Otherwise, if we don't do that, then what we know is actually not much at all. And so in verse 25, it continues. He says, but the one who looks intently, so the one who doesn't forget, but actually spends time growing in spiritual maturity, the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of works, if th this person will be blessed in what he does. Right? In other words, the one who does, the one who does pursue Jesus, or if we remember what he says earlier in James chapter 1, uh, someone who is slow to anger, right? so they can control their anger in some capacities, uh, someone who is not double-minded, as we saw earlier, who is one day asking God to bless them, and then the other days living their life however they want to live in complete disregard of, disregard of God and other people. That's a double-minded person. Uh, someone who boasts, as we saw earlier in chapter one, someone who boasts in their economic status, 
instead of their forgiveness in Christ, right? Someone, as we'll see later on in James, uh, talk at James chapter two about favoritism. Someone who shows favoritism uh, for people who are more well off is someone who's just a hearer and not actual a doer of these words. The, war, the one who, again, can control their anger, is not double-minded, boasts in, in Christ, uh, uh, does not show favoritism. These are some of the practices that describe a person who is blessed, right? It describes a person who has actually seen and received the grace and mercy of Christ, right? So blessed here, as he talks about this type of person is blessed, uh, it likely refers to uh, a future blessing. So not your current life situation, but a future blessing when salvation is finally realized. So so although we are saved by Christ's uh, work and his grace and his mercy in our life, our salvation isn't fully realized until we enter into God's kingdom. We, we, We can receive some of God's grace and mercy now, but we don't experience life as it was meant to be. We're not fully blessed in that sense until our salvation is fully realized when you and I enter into the kingdom of God. Now, to be clear here, it's not that works save you, right? Because again, he's talking to an audience who is already followers followers of Christ, but instead they reveal where our hope lies. Now, as a side note, different, uh, we have different experiences in life. We have different uh, family histories. We have different, different things that have happened to us. And so there's not like this baseline that everyone who follows Jesus dresses a certain way, says a certain thing, gives the same amount of money, right? It's going to be different based on your experience. However, those of us that are followers of Christ, hopefully are seeing growth in our love for God and our love for other people. Hopefully our life is projecting an image that we are actually growing in spiritual maturity, not to be saved, but because we are saved and we actually have internalized the gospel and who Christ is and it is impacting how we live. This is the type of person who is blessed. They're not blessed because they do good works and God loves them and then he forgives them. They're blessed because they understand and have received God's forgiveness and are letting that impact how they live. And so with that, we'll continue chapter one and verse 26 and 27. James says this, If anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, he's giving us another example, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Again, James here is referencing our speech, right? He's giving us another example uh, that shows what does it look like to demonstrate that we have actually heard the word that is impacting our life. So he talks about speech, and here he also talks about widows and orphans and their distress, which has pretty much always been throughout human history, but particularly in ancient cultures. Uh, Women who had lost their husbands, most of them could not provide for themselves. Orphans also without parents could not provide for themselves. And so those who have pure religion, in other words, those who are actually following Jesus, would care for those who are more oppressed, who are more ostracized, who society generally overlooks, right? To follow Jesus means we actually care for those people as well, right? This is what it means to be unstained, right? When he says this type of person who cares, who who is careful with how they speak, cares about the orphans and widows in their distress, this type of person is unstained from the world which means spotless, which means that they are set apart from the world. And we get this from pursuing Christ. We get this from pursuing Christ. In other words, sometimes people talk about the book of James and they reference it, the book as, or they give the subtitle for the book of James as faith that works, right? It's not works that save you, but if we actually have been saved and receive the grace and mercy of God, it leads us to action in our life. It is faith 
that works. And that is James' point here, that if we are followers of Christ, if we are growing in our spiritual maturity, we are not people who simply go to Bible studies or go to church or hear people talk about the Bible or read about the Bible or study it on our own. We are people who are marked by deeds and by actions that actually show that we love and have been transformed by Christ. And so to sum up, here are three main points that we see from James chapter 1, verse 19 through 27. We see that how we live demonstrates what we believe. How we live shows whether or not we have been transformed by Christ. Again, we are not perfect. We will not be perfect this side of heaven. But are we, how are we growing? Are we desiring to love and care for people, others? Are we repenting of sin when we fall short? How we live demonstrates what we believe. Not to be simply a hearer, but also a doer of the word. That's the first thing. The second thing we see is that forgetting leads to unrighteous action, right? Someone who looks in the mirror and forget, for immediately forgets. And so the implication here is pursue God so you do not forget. So you do not forget and so that you are reminded to love people and to care for people the way God has loved and cared for you. Have disciplines in your life like involvement in a local church. Maybe you're part of a community group or a Bible study. You have some friends that you talk about and you walk through life with. Have practices in your life that help you remember the word. Otherwise, forgetting will lead to unrighteous actions. And then the third and finally, that following Jesus is not merely an intellectual exercise. We have to understand, especially in our culture today, we can minimize following Jesus to how much we know. It's not about what we know. It's about what we do with what we know. It's not simply an intellectual exercise. Let us not be people who simply hear the word and don't do anything with it. Let us let tra Jesus transform every area of our life so that we are growing in character and love and grace and forgiveness and mercy and all of these things. The way of Jesus is not just an intellectual take a theological questionnaire, and that shows how spiritually mature you are. Following Jesus is allowing him to change every aspect of our life. It's not merely an intellectual exercise, but it's a heart change.